The Nuggets have lost their groove. How did the Nuggets get their groove back? Plus, was the in-season tournament a success? We'll debate on Locked on Nuggets. You are Locked on Nuggets, your daily Denver Nuggets podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Nuggets, your daily Denver Nuggets podcast, part of the Locked On Network, your team every day. Thanks for joining us and making us part of your day. Appreciate you guys being with us and joining us. We are on all platforms, whether you want to join us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube. You can go to youtube.com slash Locked On Nuggets, best way to support the show. Hit the like and subscribe button. Really appreciate all the support from y'all, and we hope that you enjoy the show five days a week. Today's show is brought to you by Prize Picks. The easiest and most, most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports, go to prizepicks.com slash LockedOnNBA and use code all lowercase L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-N-B-A. That's LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. My name is Matt Moore. I'm the senior NBA writer for the Action Network, joined by Adam Mares. Glad to have you with us here on World's Finest. Adam, how was your weekend? Weekend was good. Reset. Got to unplug a little bit. Because of the IST, the Nuggets get another day off. So um, it was kind of nice to just kind of get away from them for a little bit. How about you? I'm exhausted. I got back from Vegas. At, uh, I left Vegas at 6 a.m. this morning and then got back in. I got mobbed by my kids um, who immediately were, demanded that we uh, put the Christmas lights up. So I did that all afternoon. And then my wife You're was late, like, man. It's the 10th. And then... I, I never get them up on time. Like I was like, <laughs> oh, I'll put them up the week of the week of Thanksgiving, and then it snowed, and I was like, well, I'm not putting them up now. And then I was like waiting for the snow to melt, and it just didn't melt. And then I was in Vegas, so yeah. but they're up now. They look awesome. Yeah, I have like a peanuts them ice skating, which is pretty. pretty That's awesome. awesome. My son helped for the first time, like, and actually got up on the ladder and hung them up. So he was very excited to do that. So. Uh, it was good though, but I am absolutely exhausted. Just got from Vegas, and boy, are my arms tired on today's uh, show. Oh, no, I could see that coming too. <laughs> That's an old joke for an old man. Uh, on today's show, we're going to talk about how to get the Nuggets right because they are not right, and we'll try and and diagnose the things and try and figure out what's real, what's not. We'll break that down. Plus, in the last segment, we're going to debate a little bit about the uh, IST, the in season tournament, and whether or not it was uh, a success or not. Let's start here, Adam. I, I don't necessarily have like a, a lot on Nikola Jokic where the easiest way for the Nuggets to get right is Jokic goes back to playing at his level. I think there are problems that are deeper than Nikola that are evident and have been honestly creeping for a while, but they were covered up with a good win-loss record. And like that's kind of the question here uh, for me actually is like, is it important? Is it important? Important is the, the key term here for the Nuggets to address, remedy, heal, correct, improve the parts of their whole collective performance beyond Nikola Jokic making shots. Uh, yes, but my the where I would disagree is just that the season is so long and it sometimes turns on a dime in both directions you know, tear all, you're going great and all of a sudden it gets derailed or you look like nothing's going well and all of a sudden a win streak pops up. So to me, the Nuggets have just hit a pocket of adversity that um, will blend together as one long season, but it really is just these little pockets. Are they out of it? I don't know. I don't know if they are or not yet, but I don't, for me, 
I'm curious to hear why you think that, but I don't see many systemic things with the team. I see some things they're going to have to work on, but it's mostly to me like, all right, they're going through this challenge right now. But what is it? So for me, it's that when you, and like <laughs> Blackburn is actually a really good canary for this where he's always looking at the numbers and analyzing them. And occasionally he will find things and be like, huh, well, well, that's weird. And they just kind of pass on by because he doesn't want to necessarily be very um, alarmist, nor should he be. But like Gordon Jokic Porter is plus 4.4 in net rating. Okay. It's good. It's good. It's good. It's, it's not bad. Um, Jokic Caldwell Pope MPJ is plus eight. That's excellent. Like that's what you kind of expect from the nuggets. Um, we talked about this on, on last night's show with Swipa. Last year's team was a minus 10.4 with Nicola, not on the floor. Is this year better or worse? Um, probably the same, the exact same, I would guess. Slightly worse at 11. At 11. Okay. And that's mostly, I would say, isn't that mostly from the last like couple games? Cause I know I checked this like a week ago and it was, like slightly better, right. but more or less the same. Right. Which is interesting because it's like, you would think it's, it's interesting. It's interesting, at least to me that like, Oh, not only has the, have the, the nuggets been worse in the minutes with Jokic. They've also been worse in the minutes without. Right. Um, right. The Gordon Jokic Murray minutes haven't been as good. And these are all like small things. And you, you talk about this all the time where you're like, it's sample. And JJ Redick was talking about this too, where he was like, you got to get 25 like, games. You got to get to 25 games. Right. And, and that's totally fair. Like I tend to look at this stuff. Cause I'm just like, this is what I got. Right. Um, but I do think that for me, it's interesting in how the first 10 games felt and how the preceding games have felt yeah. where it was like, we were right. like, man, this team is amazing. And like, they're a machine and they're just a beast. And which then, matters more. And, and then do what, which matters more. That's the, I mean, it's an interesting question. I guess here's, here's a, like a good, like, does the fact that they have transitioned kind of away from that, can they just go back to it? Can they, can they, can they just flip that switch? Uh, I mean, I'll say yes, just because they did last year and right. it's the same group of core guys. Right. So to me, I just, I, here's what I think is that, and this will probably be the case for every Jokic season going forward, at least uh, at least I foresee it to be, which is that the Nuggets have to trick themselves into thinking this regular season matters, when really it only matters from these like broad stroke things. Are you healthy? Can you get home court in the first round? Can you kind of like get a rhythm or something at the right times? But everything else are like tests that they don't they they've already passed and they'll and they don't need to pass now. They have to pass them in four months from now. So I think there's a little bit of that going on. The questions to me, like Yoke's in a little bit of a slump right now. Murray hasn't been healthy, and Aaron Gordon is struggling. To me, those are the things. And that last one, like the first two, you could pencil them in. You could you could say, okay, well, Murray was hurt. A little bit of a freak thing. Jokic, two games in a row he played bad. We'll see what happens if it continues, but I kind of doubt it. Aaron Gordon, to me, is the one that I look at that I go, that's the one that's a little puzzling to me because he hasn't really had a dominant stretch at any point this season. You know, it's yeah. not like he was, it's not like Yoke, who was great for a long stretch of the shot. He just has, he's looked a little bit like he's been in a malaise all year. Is it physical? Is he tired? Is he mentally tired? You know, I don't know, but he's the guy that to me that I would single out. 
I personally thought he looked really good the first couple of games. The numbers weren't there, but I was like, oh, he's doing all like he's just yeah. connecting and doing all these types of things. And then it just kind of like slowly tapered off. And then it became a thing of he went from like quietly impactful. Right. To just quiet. Yeah. To not great. To yikes. And that yeah. like transition, I think, has been interesting. I like this comment from uh, THDR. I'm not worried at all. <laughs> but yes, I am worried. Um I think it's totally fine for fans to give them the benefit of the doubt and be like, they're going to be fine. Like, I believe that they're going to be totally okay. And it's honestly a lot better than the, the alarmist stuff, right? Of like, they're in big trouble and got to make big trades. Well, that's not going to happen. Like, they're well, not- I think, first of all, I will say this. This is part of what makes sports fun. If you're too pragmatic, the game gets really boring. That's <laughs> true. Honestly, like, so part of yeah. me is like, yeah, man, this sucks. I want to see if they climb out of it. Does it really matter? No, but let's not tell ourselves that. Like, come yeah. on, man, you got to win this one. Uh, and that's why a lot of these little matchups, you know, you get so into them, like, oh, they better make a statement against the Clippers tonight and show them. And then they don't. And you're like, how could you do this to us? It's like, it doesn't matter. Yeah. But we're battling, you know. Yeah. It just, and it just keeps moving for them. On the other side, we'll get into Aaron Gordon. We'll, t- we'll try and answer the question how do you unlock and get AG? back to the type of player that he has been for the Nuggets. A little bit later, we'll talk about was the in-season tournament a success? We'll talk about that up next on Locked on Nuggets. Right now, I want to tell you about Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy sports made easy. You're not competing against tons of people with all these different models and hundreds of entries. It's just you versus the numbers. That's all you're doing. You pick more or less on their stats, and you can up to 25 times your money on any Entry. They offer a reboot policy, so if your guy gets hurt, gets rebooted at halftime, uh, you can test your skills with, and you can turn ten dollars into two hundred and fifty with just a few taps. It's really simple. You make your picks, submit your entry in less than sixty seconds. Uh, they've got Apple Apple Pay for quick and easy deposits into your account this basketball season. Right now. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA and use code locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to a hundred dollars. Prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to one hundred dollars. Prize picks is daily fantasy made easy. We'll be right back on Locked On Nuggets. Back here on Locked On Nuggets. Thanks for joining us and making this part of your day. Appreciate you guys being with us. Um <laughs> Hurricane says, "Gonna trade Zeke Naji for Hallie." I like that idea. Uh, Hallie would be fun. Um, so let's talk about Aaron Gordon here for a minute. Ag's averaging career lows, I think, across the board. Is that accurate? No, no, because his efficiency in Orlando is like way below. But it, it is his Denver lows. And so, I think a, a, an interesting question is. Are there things that you can identify that will get him going? Because if so much of it is just like two man action and then weaving that into the the three man with him in the dunker spot gets him a lot of these easy actions. Like what are the things in the good AG games that you're not seeing right now? I mean, it's the bullying, right? This is the thing is that they've gone up against some teams that don't have a lot of girth you know, at the power forward position and he hasn't bullied them. And that's the thing he does. If you don't bring a big enough guy, he makes you pay for it on the offensive glass and on these putbacks. And he's kind of been floating around a lot this season. And then in that floating, teams are guarding him less than ever. He's less confident in his three-point shot, and he's less uh, and he's not making them. So to me, it's that he's not pressing his advantage on the offensive end, and he is 
like helping out his disadvantage. How much of this do you think is related to the free throw problem? I don't think much. Okay. I, I, I have to imagine that a lot of this has to do with, you know, what's really hard, Matt wrestling guys in the paint. That's really hard. And I just have to imagine that there's like a cost benefit analysis in his brain right now of like, it's December 10th. Do, do we need me to go do that thing? Cause that's really hard. And there's like 60 more of these. So maybe I'll just kind of wait and see if we can win without that for right now. And it's not a bad try. It's kind of like playing him at center as a backup center. You're, it's going to make you better. But do you want to do it this early in the year? Do you want to have to go to that every single night? Um, he hasn't had to make this calculation before, but he's been hungrier and more rested before. This year he's less rested. And I don't want to say he's less hungry, but I do wonder if with all of these guys, if the motivation is just like, we know when the season is really won and it's not December. He was one of the ones last year that when I was like poking around in the locker room being like, Hey, so, uh, you know, the defense, like you guys, uh, seem pretty far away from, uh, those, those goals that you wanted. And he was one of the ones that was very much like, it's going to be fine. We're going to get home. We're going to work out our communication issues and we're going to get straight. And they did like, it was him and KCP and Bruce Brown. And they all said that and they were right. Um, we'll see whether that's the case this year. The free throw thing I, I want to comment real briefly on. So in seven seasons in Orlando, he averaged 69.5, so 70% from the stripe, okay? He goes to Denver, and he averages 71% in the 25 games he played after he got traded, and then 74% that year after without, really good. With, without Jamal. And then he goes to 61% mm. last year. That's and, as bad as it gets. And now it's down to 49%. What? Now, I think what's interesting about this is if I asked you, does Aaron play more like a big than he did when he first got to Denver? What do you think? No. Really? This year? I think he plays his role on the team in general. His role on the team has evolved more to that. But just this year, he's again, they need you're, to you're do right. that. Yeah, he's not. Okay. You're right that he's he's playing in a big role and playing very and small. Not playing it. Right? Yeah, yeah. But like he's not also not playing like a wing right now. Like his role and position. And this is just really fascinating to me, given what we've seen from the history of big men in the league struggling with free throws. Like I have no idea what that connection is. And maybe there is not one. But to me, it's really interesting to see like a player that the more he played on the wing as a perimeter player, it seemed like his free throws were better. He goes last year and like he had a, a ton of muscle last year so he could be stronger and finish more under the rim. And it dips and then it dips even more this year. And maybe that's just coincidence or focus or whatever, but it is getting to be a problem where if he's afraid, we've seen this so often with players. If you're worried about getting fouled and it's already in your head, that changes the way that you play. It changes your aggressiveness and it could be really corrosive. So that's something I definitely think that they've, they're going to have to figure out to some degree. He doesn't even necessarily have to get better at free throws, but he's got to, he can't be afraid of them either. This is the time to work on that though. Like, I, I do think that a lot of this is mental. And look, Aaron Gordon made big leaps, in my opinion, in his mental toughness last season. I think it was yeah. one of his big challenges. This this is the time to be like, you know what? Try to get to the line 15 times. <laughs> Honestly, I think there's a psychological thing to, like, not being afraid of going to the line. Just try to go there as often as possible. And if you go one for 15, who cares? It's December. This is the time to do that. Um, so I do think there's something to it. But I just, again, there's a physical toll that is taken – when you play that that hard and that stuff in, inside. And I just wonder if he's looking at this going, not only do we want to win this year and win in April, May, and June, I want to do this for like seven more years. I want to keep this thing going. And I have to, 
in order to do that, I have to kind of like pick my spots for when I play that hard. Real quick, I want to, I want to talk about this from Five Ish, um, who always on the show love Five Ish. He says, "I know we brought all our coaches back, but do we have to look at the free throw coach?" And that's Brian Bowen, I think, is is my understanding of it. Um, my answer to that would be no, and the reason is it's not like if you look across the league, it's not like there's one team that has really great free throw coaching and all their guys shoot really well. Like I, I personally don't have any sort of like connective tissue between coaching and free throws, given the professional nature of the athletes and the limited practice time. So like, I genuinely don't know. I think having a shooting coach around is always helpful. And that's been a touchy subject for Michael Malone through the years. Um, uh, If you recall, they've had a few and it hasn't, stuck for various reasons because they're mm-hmm. usually outside consultants and that causes tension. Um, I think having a shooting co- coach ultimately helps, but I don't find any sort of like connective tissue between the free throw coach and the free throw percentage for a team, just because it's not the way that the NBA kind of operates in terms of how they stress development or what they work on. But maybe I'm wrong there. I would, this is a hot take. Who knows what the free throw thing is, but here's a, here's something I'm looking at. Denver has not been this bad. Four years ago, they were seventh. Three years ago, they were... So 2021, they were seventh. 2022, they were eighth or tenth. Uh, Last year, they were kind of middle of the pack. And then the year before... And then this year, they're last, dead last. Yeah, they were 12th. And then this year, they're they're, um, 30th. I mean, Reggie does change things a little bit. Like, he he is a point guard that misses. You know, he's he's having a rough year as well. But not enough to, to make that big of a difference, I don't think. I wonder if this too is just a hint of the focus. Like free throw shooting is a lot about focus and conditioning. The more tired you are, the harder it is. This is why free throws in the clutch are so tough. You're at the end, you've kind of put it all out there. And then I think focus. And I do wonder if there's just a little collective, I don't want to say lack of focus from the Nuggets, but I do wonder like the margins matter, right? 100% focus is playoff focus. Last year in December was, let's say 80% focus. Are they at 60? Are they at 70? Like that, just that little bit can make make a huge difference. So the Nuggets have played twenty two games, and are uh, sorry twenty three games, twenty three games, and are fourteen and nine. What were they last year after twenty three games? Fourteen and nine. So. And they actually lost the next game. So they, they fell to 14 and 10 before going on their run. Does this feel like last year, except in a different order? Yes. And and not only that, Matt, on December 2nd, when they were 14 and 8, that's the infamous Atlanta Hawks game where they went to the Hawks and then a couple of days later to the Pelicans, lost both of those. And that was the low point of the season where it just felt like, oh, my God, this team sucks. Like, what is going on? You and I were doing the- what's wrong with the Nuggets shows. Yeah. And they're always about this time. So, I mean, look, time will tell the real answer to this. But, And, and I've talked to enough of my colleagues at my various locations, and some people are more concerned and sounding the alarms of this or that. To me, I look at this and I go, this feels exactly like last year, exactly like it to me. And I think it's not over. There's a reason we celebrate Yokemas on December 15th. I don't know if it's always going to be exactly December 15th, but I do feel like this is around the time Denver goes into a lull. And it's almost around the time when they come out of that lull every single year. On the other side, we'll talk about the in-season tournament <laughs> and whether or not it was a success the NBA wanted it to be. We'll do that next on Locked on Nuggets.
Right now, I want to tell you about FanDuel Sportsbook. As the weather gets colder, the NFL offers stay hot on FanDuel, just like those Broncos. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app's so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. I had a 24, no, I had a uh, 42 to 1. Tyrese Halliburton end season tournament MVP ticket that I was able to hedge with the Lakers and uh, made a pretty penny this weekend. So that was pretty great. Oh, Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. We'll be right back on Locked On Nuggets. Back here on Locked On Nuggets. Thanks for joining us and making this part of your day. Appreciate you guys being with us on uh, Monday. World's finest. Matt Moore and Adam Mara is with you. All right, Adam. So the in-season tournament wrapped up with the Los Angeles Lakers. You know, the plucky team. Good to see them uh, finally win something in their history. By the way, they look good, though. I will say this. Oh, yeah. I think the Lakers look really good. Yeah. I, I wrote about this for Action Network about how, like, it's proof of concept, which in high-intensity games, their formula of defense, improved shooting, and athleticism, it really translated. Like, they outclassed their opponents. They looked yeah. really good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all tournament long. I mean, they outclassed Portland. They outclassed Utah. They outclassed Memphis. They outclassed Indiana. I mean, they outclassed all the teams they faced in this tournament run. Yeah. Uh, especially the Pelicans. The Pelicans were the, like... No, oh, that was... The, get out of here. The Pelicans, that was... I've never been more mad at a team than I was. Me too. Yeah, I, mean, I was that there. Was I was there, and I was I was disgusted by that performance. Like, seeing their body language live... I was like, I, it, look, you, you know me and you know how I'm like, it's one of 82. These seasons are long. You turn into a lot of different teams. You can't overreact. I I have like, I have sharpied them out. Like they, they might make a playoff spot. They're not going. They're anywhere. not a serious basketball They're not team. a serious. They don't have serious stars. They don't have serious. That's perfectly put. Totally agree. Um, yeah. So all in all, I think that the results were kind of mixed. There were hits and misses. Do you think that the in-season tournament was a success for the NBA? So I think we have to look at the successes and failures of it. So here was the biggest success. This, there were a lot of games, mostly group play games, which is the biggest impact, but group play and then the tournament games that were very good games, a disproportionate amount of them. And I think that that is the biggest thing is that in games in November, December, where it's kind of like you never know what you're going to get, the in-season tournament games, almost all of them delivered something interesting. They were very intriguing. They got the players to play hard, and they got the players to care. We wondered if the players were going to care at all. And I do think there was mixed levels of care. LeBron James cared, I think, quite a bit. The Indiana Pacers cared a bit. As we just mentioned, the Pelicans didn't seem to care too much. There were teams that didn't take it quite as seriously. But for the most part, players cared, teams cared, and the games were better. So to me, that is where this was a huge success. Yeah, that's kind of what I get to, which is um, there are so many layers to this. A lot of this is because if you get into it, it's like how much of this is related to the media deal? And the answer is a lot. And if you look at ratings in year one of this with people not really knowing what it was, then you're doing it wrong. If you look at this from the perspective of, I think one of the, pro I, I, this is from talking to people, but this is also kind of my interpretation of, of everything I've read and and, and heard. I think there was a genuine concern from the media partners of what exactly is your product? Like, what are we buying? Mm -hmm. 
Right. Like we're going to give you billions of dollars. What are we getting? Right. Like what's, I know what I'm getting with the NFL. We have I, our answer now, by the way, Matt. What's that? We have the answer to that question. Which is? In my opinion, we're getting a tournament that's mildly confusing to the average sports fan. And that happens really quick. That's a little bit clunky. And that will not draw more attention than a regular season game. So you're going to get a really good game that is watched by the same people that were watching the original regular season anyway. This product is better for people like you and I who love the NBA and want to see it at its best. This product was phenomenal for it, but it has not moved the needle at all in drawing in new fans or stealing any of the attention yeah. away from it the hasn't been, going on. It's not this sensation where everybody's like, oh, got to go check out the in-season tournament. And it's a little like, weird, right? It's a little like it, it's a little weird. If, if anytime you speak to anybody outside the bubble, like, right? Because we spend so much, yeah, they're they're just like Wait, the well, number of times I've had to explain it is like, it, and it's not that hard. It's I, not that like, confusing. It, no, but to understand it for for sports fans that aren't used to it, I do kind of feel like yeah. I need like a whiteboard to yeah. be like, okay, so here are the you know, um, I, I turn into the 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 meme from, um. Oh yeah, from yeah. Always Sunny. Yeah. So I do think that inherently, like, do all right. Do the media partners care about the viewers? Yes, but they also know that they're going to get more viewers with sports programming than they will with anything else. They know that. That's why they want the product. Being able to say you're getting a quality product that people will like, I think that has value. Like, Except I do think that has the, value. Not that much value though. If we're saying like you can have a product that's watched by 1.5 million people and they will not like it and a product 1.5 million people and they will like it. That's more or less the same thing. Like from, from an advertising standpoint, they're like, okay, well, I'm glad that they're going to enjoy this slightly more, Sure, but it doesn't necessarily move the needle on but it. I and, I mean, think... look, and you saw, here's the big thing. They did it in Vegas. You were at those games. They looked pretty dead. Didn't look like it was the hottest ticket in town. Oh, okay. So I will say this: the uh, the they got to change the Thursday. Well, that was insane. I mean, that, that was, was insane. That, that was insane. You can't do that it. They did that. There's a lot of tweaks that they can make. I, one thing I've tried to say, and like this is from talking to people that that constructed it. One of the reasons that this was done the way that it was is this is the first time they were doing it, and like, all right, let's try it this way. And if it doesn't work, we can kind of sweep it under the like. We'll just kind of move along, like. That's a little, little bit of this. And instead, I mean, it was successful yeah. enough that I think they'll, they'll change it to where there'll be more time. Because, like, I talked to a lot of, of fans that were, like, I talked to this group of Pacer fans that were like, yeah, man, we came out and we were really excited. But, like, no, like, all of our friends wanted to go, but they can't. It was 48 hours notice to get to Vegas. Right, yeah. It's, it's always going to be that way, right? Yeah. It's always going to be 48 hours. And here's the thing, Matt. I've been to summer league games that were sold out for Lakers. Sure. Lonzo Ball, right? Like this. Okay. So the I will say this: the environment and the the general attendance of both the Friday, the Thursday night Lakers game, and of the in season tournament finale, like that was fine. The crowd was dead because there wasn't a competitive game in the first one, and in the second one, the officials. The first took, one was a good game. The officials took yeah, and Pacers Bucks. Yeah, that and that's the shame of it. That's the shame of it is the best game had the smallest crowd. Right. And right. then like the Pelicans game was over in the first 20 minutes. Yeah. And then in the finale and the finals, like the officials took that game out behind the shed and ended it. Yeah. Ended all the, all chance of fun. No, no fun for you. Like the, the crowd was just like, yeah, like it never, it but, never but my, some intensity. It actually could have been a pretty good environment. 
I do think it'll get better as years go on. I think there'll be, you're going to see changes to various structures. Like they're figuring out as they go. Adam Silver said he didn't expect many changes between this year and next year. I think that he'll say that and then they'll go through and they'll make some tweaks. I just think that that's my impression. I mean, here's my thought. The Lakers winning it and it being in Vegas where it's a Lakers stronghold anyway, like people in Vegas are Lakers fans. And then on top of that, it's only a three, four hour drive for Lakers fans to drive there from LA anyway. The fact that it was the Lakers and in Vegas and still didn't seem like an event, you know, like a, a big draw to me tells me something because most years it's not going to be Lakers, right? Most years the Lakers aren't going to be there to say like, oh, should we fly, drive, whatever out for this thing that's supposed to be big? And that's why I just try to look at this objectively and say, I had fun with it. I loved it. I thought it was great. And I thought it made the games meaningful. But if I were to give a defining trait of the Adam Silver era, it would be finding complex and somewhat idiotic the solutions to the symptoms of a problem. Yeah. And that's what this feels like to me is it's like our players aren't playing hard. Nobody cares about the season in November. How do we make it? Here's a gimmick that requires all these moving parts and things and wacky courts and uniforms. And if we do that, the players will play hard and it raises it up to a standard that used to just be a given that guys cared about winning and losing. And so to me, I look at this and again, I'm thankful because I enjoyed so many of these games. But when I just step outside and everybody I talk to outside the bubble either is not paying attention, doesn't understand, or doesn't care. And so I, I just try to look at that and go, I don't know if this was a success, man, other than it made the people who are already paying customers like it a little bit more. I will tell you, though, that like having, having been as close as I have been to some of the media and like you do this at DMVR, I, like you got to have, have like some awareness of this. I think perception sometimes guides things more than tangibles. Like, like in this instance, sponsors want to be attached to certain brands and concepts, regardless of whether or not those brands and concepts are the most popular ones, because they're trying to attack certain audiences and they want to be attached to certain things from a, this represents like we're tied with this thing, which helps our brand. Like, I don't think it's, I, I think the idea that all these decisions are, well, well, how many people watched is in some ways it gives advertisers a little bit too much credit. Like, Why? Because in, in in my experience, there are a lot of instances where they will selectively target. This is a big reason why, like, why do influencers wind up getting all the deals that they do? Because like, they have a huge audience and they, people like no, trust no. them? They, they have huge audiences for influencers or for individuals. But do they have, like, large – do they have large followings or audiences compared to brands or companies or leagues? No. No, they're tiny. It's fractional. It's tiny. It's minuscule, but they associate with these people as a way of represent of tying themselves to these concepts and these brands. And that to me, I think is well, like let's just ask this question because this is what it comes down to. There's a couple things. I'm gonna ask them all and you can answer them. Do you think players are going to care more about this tournament over time, less or the exact same? And do you think that more people who that the NBA is gonna draw new eyeballs towards this tournament? over time like meaningfully more eyeballs over time or the same or less they will care the same because they actually cared quite a bit i saw very few like i know how to spot a game when the players don't give a damn and i saw very few of those in group play because the money was the incentive they were looking for and so i'll say the same there and i will say it will attract more i think that the small impacts are cumulative and next year it's gonna be like oh yeah like i saw those courts last year and like oh yeah i saw i watched that that finals game in vegas and i think it'll be a, like it's gonna take time 
And I don't think that the NBA was looking for like instant mega hit success. I think that they knew like this has been 10 years designing and they knew how, how big of a challenge it was going to be. That's a huge financial investment too, to do that, to put all of these different things on. That's why I say like the lack of just buzz around it to me is a little bit concerning. And here's the real kicker for all of this. I suspect that part of why the Nuggets are in a uh, rut right now is that they sprinted out of the gate for whatever reason. And maybe part of that was the in-season tournament. I mean, the two games that they won at home, Jokic had to come back. Like he had to make big comebacks in the second half and kind of sprint through the the, the tape. So I do look at this and go, um, if the season, there's a chance that the season falls off in December and January in ways we haven't expected. Like you expect the Lakers to be great next week or maybe a little bit below their average. I kind of expect them to be a little below. Is there going to be some teams that actually like deflate? Yeah, deflate. And if so, that then next year you might make this calculation of, you know what wasn't bad for us? Missing out on the tournament. Like we're not paying attention to that anymore. And I could just see it. That's. I just that's why I look at these things and to go, you kind of needed a smash, in my opinion, a smashing success that got people excited about it. When the truth is, people just don't care about the NBA, except for the people watching this and the diehards like us. They don't care about the NBA till Christmas. Or later. Or later. Yeah. Or April, right? Um, yeah, we'll see. I think that making it, but I also will say this that you know what? Maybe it's not maybe it's not a smashing success. Maybe it doesn't fix all their the, the media deal and all these other problems it made the games better and to me that for, for me i liked it for sure we matter <laughs> we do like, here's, we, we, no, no we do we do matter we do yeah, matter but god, god i want to i want to rant so bad i don't care about casuals go away i don't <laughs> well the care. nba does the nba does though their goal was not to make matt more happy but this is <laughs> i hate to break it to the you NBA they're like matt's giving us NBA his money is, one way or another the only one that obsesses over casuals versus baseball fans want diehard baseball fans and NFL fans. NFL the NFL fans. grows. The NFL grows. That's the thing about yeah. it. That's that's why there's leagues out there that are growing and there's leagues that are not. And that's that's why I think this was an important thing. And and like I said, I'm just a little concerned that it to me feels like it didn't get that bump because the NBA perceives itself to have needing a bump. Oh, we'll see how it works out next year. Maybe it'll all go away and we'll go back to. Um, Terrible games in November. Terrible games in November, as well as terrible games in January and February and March. Thanks for joining us. Really appreciate you guys being with us. We'll be back with you guys tomorrow. Swipe will be with you tomorrow on Tuesday, uh, wrapping up, uh, recapping the Monday night game. And then uh, Adam, I'll be with you on Wednesday to wrap up uh, the back-to-back that the Nuggets are on. Make sure to join us on YouTube.com slash LockedOnNuggets. We'll see you guys again next time. Thanks for joining us.